Thanks, Chad. It is uh, actually really great to be here. It's mutual, uh, Chad. I'm starting to get to like you more. I think it's great. No, I'm just kidding. We, we really do get along well and so proud of uh, the team and everything that's developing and happening here. It's great. And O'Neill. Where's O'Neill? He's, he's, oh, he, he's, uh, there. Dude, like that little turnaround in that, in, in that one song. I don't know, but you guys probably didn't catch it, but it's just like, it's like amazing. Thank you for, uh, a lot of these artists, like there's the little nuances that uh, maybe you don't get, but I, I just thought that was great. Um, I'm just madly trying to get my uh, electronics here. So I'm, I said this in the first service and it continues to be true. I'm, I'm a little nervous about um, kind of, and I was told by video people, I keep sliding out of frames and I'm, I'm technician's worst nightmares. Look at that. I just about busted that too. So, um, but I, I'm glad you guys captioned this whole thing as the hard sayings of Jesus. And I know you've already been slugging through a couple of the real sort of rough, rough and tumble uh, sayings and invitations of Jesus to kind of rethink. Uh, you're familiar with this word metanoia? Yeah, it's the Greek kind of reflection out of uh, Hebraic thought. It kind of comes comes a little bit through more of a, of an academic lens, I guess, but it means to think again. And that actually is the word for repent. So repentance has all kinds of facets to it, right? There's like this engagement. You can, you can be really moved emotionally. You can respond to some kind of an altar call. But the truth of the matter is the only way that repentance gets any traction in our lives is when we actually recalibrate our whole way of thinking. And we have a brand new worldview. And that is an ongoing, if you've hung around Jesus for any length of time, and some of you have followed him for a long time, others of you might even be questioning if he's is he even real or is he just sort of some mythological figure or some religious voice. For many of us in this room, we have come to realize that Jesus is actually the embodiment of God, the, the image of God, God come in human flesh. We just celebrate a lot of this stuff at you know, around Advent and Epiphany and, and all those wonderful things that, that we've just come through in the church calendar. But, um, and this is why it's, it's important to like chew on some of these hard things sometimes. Uh, I remember sitting in this city uh, some time ago in the mid, or towards the end of the 19, or actually it was 1990, the very end of 1990, December 1990. And I was, uh, came out of a theological training in a Baptist institution. So I had my nice theology degree in my pocket. At that point, I'm not anymore, but I, I still appreciate a lot of what helped shape me then. I was a five-point Calvinist, if that means anything to you. And I was a firm, staunch believer in uh, cessationism. I, I had a lot of Pentecostal friends that I would actually, a couple times, went actually into their youth meetings and were trying to drag them out to save them from all the heresy and stuff that they were in. So I was a, I was a pretty together kid and uh, was planting a church and we, we'd gone through all this and I had this crazy encounter through the biblical text and some kind of an epiphany experience, which I have come to believe was an encounter with the Holy Spirit, uh, that completely revolutionized my, my, revolutionized my thinking around the poor. 
And it makes me think a little bit of a Bible story, and I'm, this is not where we're gonna drill down today, but you, you ever familiar with in, in some of the gospel writings, this, the rich young ruler, this really together kid? So in, in the book of Mark, when Mark is reflecting on this story, and this is how I would just like to propose what, everything I'm about to say today. Here's the posture of Jesus, even with the tough stuff. He says, uh, Mark reflects and he says, Jesus looked at this rich young ruler, capsule, you know, cap, capsule of the story. He's got it all together, just like what I described. He's got, he's got his degree down. He's got everything together. He's kept the law. He's an upstanding citizen. He's the all-American Canadian dream kid. He's financially successful. He's got everything together. And Jesus looks at him and says, just one thing you lack. Only one piece is missing. I'm not quite sure how you missed this, but it's actually right in the center of everything I care about. Could you sell everything you have and give it to the poor? And the kid couldn't do it. But Mark is very careful, and I love Mark's reflection. It says that Jesus looked at him and he loved him. So Jesus, look on us with love. And if this is lacking in our current life, maybe we had it, if it's things, whatever you're trying to say to us today, Lord, I want to get out of the way, but I want to try to be faithful to what I think you're asking us to wrestle with today. And it's not my fault, Jesus, the, the, the team here said, go for the hard saying, so I, I'm just off the hook. But we invite you um, to speak to us. I am going to be in Bangkok, Thailand um, in a couple weeks with one of our vineyard communities that has established a, a boisterous and just wonderful community right in the middle of one of the largest slums in the entire world. And every once in a while I do this exercise and I found myself doing it during the worship today. And I was imagining my dear friends who've found Jesus and others who haven't living in that context and singing the songs that we sang today. We need the poor. Imagine someone who is just, really doesn't have, doesn't know how they're gonna to eat tomorrow. And the only, the only place they can find shelter is building a shelter out of the garbage that is all around them. And lest you have, maybe some of you would have this maybe understanding that they're a little more well-read or have traveled. I mean, there are literally hundreds of thousands of people in this dump. It's not like, like a dozen people just kind of on the outskirts of town or in a tent city just out of Vancouver or down in East Van on the streets. This is literally hundreds of thousands. You are matchless in grace and mercy. There is nowhere we can hide from your love. My car won't start in the morning and I think God's abandoned me. I lose my RRSP or my stock prices go down. 
or I've invested in, in cyber, cyber currency and it's gone a little bit waffly in the last couple of weeks here with China doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And I wonder if, if, if God's provision, if he's still really there to provide. And here's someone in the midst of a dump singing, you are steadfast, never failing. You are faithful. All creation is awe of who you are. You're the healer of the sick and the broken. You are comfort for every heart in loss. Our king and our savior forever. God with us, God for us, nothing can come come against us. Could you sing that there? Just a question, right? Hard sayings, so I'm, I'm, I'm in the wheelhouse. When you walk into the room, everything changes. When you walk into the slum, when you walk into the red zone in Kelowna, Darkness starts to tremble. The systems and structures of the age, the racism and the prejudice and the corruption and the politicking and the leveraging of power and resource and money, the sexual abuse starts to tremble at the light that you bring. Do you really believe that? Do you want to go there with Jesus? Every heart starts burning. The girls in the sex trade and that are just completely feel like there's no way out. Jesus shows up and their hearts start to burn. And we're wondering if they're going to sing our favorite song on a Sunday. And that's okay. I'm flipping pastor prophet, pastor prophet, pastor prophet, right? It's like a difficult dance here. When he finally arrives, Jesus, Matthew 25, 31 to 46, blazing in beauty and all his angels with him, the son of man will take his place on his glorious throne. Then all the nations will be arranged before him and he will sort the people out. Much as a shepherd sorts out sheep and goats, putting sheep to his right, goats to his left, then the king, we sang about the king. This is the only text, this is the only time, there's many, many words of Jesus that we don't have documented. John said if he could capture all the words of Jesus, the libraries couldn't contain all the books. I don't know if you remember the, the, his friend John writing about things and saying that at the end of his gospel. But in all the words that we have actually documented of Jesus, some call them the words in red, if you got one of those kind of Bibles, you know, the, the red shows up. This is the only place where Jesus self-identifies as king. He is king, and many people call him king, but this is the only text where Jesus says, I am describing myself in this context as the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the king over all the nations. So it's pretty important to listen to what he says. The king will say... Enter, you who are blessed by my Father, and take what's coming to you in this kingdom. This journey didn't begin just right now. This, this, this eternal life doesn't begin just in this moment of final judgment. It began long, long before. In fact, it began before you were even born, and somewhere along the way, you stepped into this trajectory of faith. 
as I'm advancing my kingdom on the earth, as I'm advancing my kingdom into the future, you're already on this path. So just keep going is basically what Jesus says. So it's very important for us to understand this text, to understand what it means to follow Jesus now. Not out of works or not out of obligation, but what is the path that you are actually on? And in order to be in sync and in line and in rhythm and in synergy and in syncretism with where the whole entire thing is going for all of eternity, it's key to get this now. It's all, it's ready for you since the world's foundation. And here's why. Here's why you're just going to get what's coming to you. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was homeless and you gave me a room. I was shivering and you gave me clothes. I was sick and you stopped to visit. I was in prison and you came to me. Then those sheep are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Thirsty and give you a drink. And when did we ever see you sick or in prison and come to you? Then the king will say, I am telling you the solemn truth. Whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored on the margins, ostracized, that was me. You did it to me. Then he'll turn to the goats, the one on his left, and say, go. You're good for nothing but the fires of hell. There's a lot of discussion these days. What's hell? What's not hell? I don't know. Some people are living in hell right now in the slums of Bangkok or down on the inner streets of Kelowna where some of you are going to go next week. But without this in the rhythm, you're already on a trajectory. You're, you're, you're missing the point of what Jesus is about. Why? Because I was hungry and you gave me no meal. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was homeless, you gave me no bed. I was shivering, you gave me no clothes. Sick and in prison, you never visited. Then those goats are going to say, well, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or homeless or shivering or sick or in prison and didn't help? He says, again, I'm just telling you the solemn truth. I'm just laying it out. I'm just like being real. I'm just like, just throwing it out there. When you miss someone and you overlooked or you ignored, you actually failed me. Then those goats will be herded to their eternal doom, but the sheep to their eternal reward. We have a bit of an uh-oh moment going on here because this isn't a parable. Jesus has been midstream. He's been unpacking some wonderful stories and quips. If you're familiar with the term parable, story with kind of a hidden meaning. Sometimes we drill, the, the tricky things about parables, you can't build doctrine or theology out of them. That's not the point. The point is just to make you metanoia, make you think again. So Jesus has been moving through several of these kinds of teachings, but now he's shifted gears and he's actually stating what's really going to happen. So we don't drill down into sheep and goats and get you know, disturbed by all that stuff. Those are metaphor, analogy. They're just ways of describing what is playing out before him. But the guts and the essence is, is, um, is this posture towards the marginalized and the, and the broken and the poor. Does that kind of make sense? 
But there's another, let's get another snapshot. So we're kind of looking out at the crowd here. Let's try to get maybe the vantage point if we look through the throne. If we're doing some kind of selfie, you know, we've got the shot this way and we got sheep and goats behind us. We're like doing the whole thing. We go to the selfie this way and we've got the throne of God behind us. It's the end of time, or as REM would have said in 1987, it's the end of the world as we know it. I saw heaven and earth, new created, Revelation 21. Gone, the first heaven. Gone, the first earth. Gone, the sea. It's a new heaven and a new earth. And in the imagery of the biblical text, both several places in the Old Testament, as well as in the book of Revelation, you know the sea that's in front of the throne? That represents evil. And so in Matthew 25, according to Revelation 21, at the shifting of the gears, there's kind of this moment. It's not, it's, 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 it's just where the whole trajectory is going. There is now a new heaven and a new earth and evil is gone. The sea is gone. It's gone. That's important to understand because the sea is in heaven right now. When we say, let heaven come to earth, we're not saying that sort of zone up there, or whatever you've got in your spiritual imagination of where or what heaven is, we're not trying to pull that down to here. We're looking to the future and seeing the future break into this present reality. Let the kingdom come. That which we are to taste in the age to come, Jesus, we have an audacious faith to believe that it could break into this very present moment now. And we never know what's gonna happen. The sick would get healed. The poor will be fed. The lame will walk. Those that are oppressed by demonic systems and structures and even in the, in the individual torment of their own minds and bodies, we have the power and authority to shatter those things. But Lord, we long for the ultimate coming of your kingdom. I saw heaven and earth new created, gone the first heaven, gone the earth, gone the sea, and I saw holy Jerusalem newly created, descending, resplendent out of heaven as ready for God, as a bride for her husband. I heard a voice thunder from the throne, look, look. God has moved into the neighborhood, making his home with men and women. They're his people. He's their God. He'll wipe every tear from their eyes. Death is gone for good. Tears gone, crying gone, pain gone. All the first order of things is gone. And the enthroned continues, look, I'm making everything new. That's what's happening in Matthew 25. And this is what we carry as the followers of Jesus Christ. This is the message of the good news. That the oppressed of the earth, the broken of Kelowna, even the most vile, corrupt systems of the age will have to bow their knee to the King Jesus Christ. This is the kingdom which is within us. This is the kingdom that we extend and reach into. So where should our compass be set now to best prepare us to move into what is coming for all eternity? 
It's not as much about right or wrong or getting it sorted or doctrine or theology. It's about as a follower of Jesus, I want to be on this eternal arc, this trajectory. Because as difficult as it is, and there's all sorts of theological rumblings and musings, but the truth is something's going to go wacky somewhere down the road here and I just might be on the wrong path. But through the redemption of the cross, through the power of the blood of Jesus, through the winsome and beautiful invitation of Jesus to metanoia, to think again, to trust him that his ways are not my ways, that mercy triumphs over judgment, that in order for my life to be full and free for all eternity, I must submit and surrender to him now. And there is beauty and there is hope and there is life and there is grace and there is justice and there is freedom for all. This isn't just about me. In fact, I die that I might find life. I give that I might receive. It's all upside down. It's all upside down. Saved by faith, yes. But Jesus invites us into this full, this is the abundant life, not three cars in your garage and enough toys to go on the mountain in the winter and the lake in the summer. Let it all go. Let it go. Let it go. And if you've got it, enjoy it to the fullest, but don't hang on to it. There is more. There is more. I want Jesus. Do you want Jesus? I don't want just a feeling in a room. I don't want a buzz in a song. I don't want shivers going up my legs. I want Jesus. I really do. The beautiful son of God. The image of the Trinity. The one who walks into the brokenness of this world and says, join me here because here is where you'll find me. Where darkness becomes light. Where pain becomes hope. Where slavery becomes freedom. Even with the chains still on your wrists, you can lift your hands and your heart and your eyes to heaven. And say, you have not abandoned me, God. Because Jesus is here. Is that the Jesus you know? Hebrews 2, and putting everything under him, God left nothing that is not subject to Jesus. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to him, but we do see Jesus. Who are you, Jesus? What do you look like? Seems according to Matthew 25, he looks like the hungry, the broken, the poor, the marginalized. James's half-brother would write in the very first writings in the history of the New Testament, chronologically, James is the first book of the New Testament. It predates the Gospels or any other book. And James says, listen, dear friends, isn't it clear by now that God operates quite differently? He, choose, he chose the worlds down and out 
NIV says, he has chosen the poor of the world to be rich in faith. The poor are the chosen of the earth, James says. That is upside down. We're trying to escape. (laughs) Now, I have not taken a vow of poverty. Obviously, I've been challenged by that. St. Francis is a a mentor from a distance. I mean, he's way back in history in the 1200s. I don't think that's quite the answer. I'm not sure that gets us where we want to go. But it's very worth thinking about. James is a good pastor in James chapter two. He says, the poor, and then in parentheses, in the eyes of the world. He goes, don't spiritualize this. Yes, yes, there are the poor of spirit and the poor of soul and the rich man needs Jesus too, brother. And I've heard all the arguments, Jesus says, and James says, just, but just everybody just calm down in the congregation for a second. He says, the poor in the eyes of the world are the chosen in the kingdom of heaven. Listen, dear friends, isn't it clear by now that God operates quite differently? He chose the world's down and out as the kingdom's first citizens with full rights and privileges. This kingdom is promised to anyone who loves God. So Matthew 25 is not just um, it's not a religious hammer. It's not a, a checklist Okay, who was hungry, who was in prison, who was, you know, we better make sure our church has, okay, feed the poor, prison ministry, like it's not about going down a programmatic checklist. It's about who do you see. And not ignoring what you see. I just read an article two days ago in Castanet, Seven people on the streets of Kelowna have died of overdoses of fentanyl and all the crazy crap that is being all mixed into the drugs in our street community right now. Seven people have passed away in just the last two weeks. The metro community, which is downtown and kind of engaged much more in the frontline trenches, and not everybody has to be metro, and metro doesn't have to be everyone else. That's not the point. But they've lost 35 people in their community in the last six months. 35, could you imagine the house having to have facilitated 35 funerals in the last six months? You want Jesus? I'm not saying they have more of Jesus than I do or you do. That's not the point. Please hear me. When you walk into the room... Everything changes. You better believe it. The kingdom is upon you. Repent. Hard sayings, right? And it takes a lifetime to figure this out. This isn't. He looks at us and he loves us and he invites us to something more. And it's step by step. It's about having your hands open and not clutched. I can have $2 in my bank account and have my hands seized on that, right? And I've missed the point. I can have $2 million in my bank account and my hands are open, knowing that if I gave it all away tomorrow, God would provide for me the next day. And it's all the same. In the kingdom, it's all the same. This is the upside down reality. 
So don't be distracted by sheep and goats and ins and outs and all this. What is the path we're on? We're on an eternal path. We sow to eternal things. Jesus has so liberated us that as his friend Paul would say at the end of his life, whether I've had a lot or I've had a little, whether I've been in rags or in riches, whether I've been sitting in a throne room or in a flea bag motel, I've been content in every and all circumstances because I can do the impossible. I don't have to make my stuff be my identity. Isn't that what Jesus said to his friends when the rich young guy is walking away? He says, guys, come over here for a second because they're all like, who can get into heaven now? Like if that kid can't get in, we are screwed. Jesus says, hey, good news for you. All things are possible with God. Even the impossible, even the rich can get into heaven. Isn't that weird how we turn that verse all upside down and we make it, you know, the impossible things are possible and all that. We all make it about getting stuff when actually the context in that, in the book of Mark and many other places in the teachings of Jesus as well, the context is always the impossible is you having enough courageous faith that you can let go of everything and trust Jesus. We did a crazy experiment as a family um, some years ago now. We were living in the United States. My accountant was just ready to kill us. But we thought we'd just take one year and we would up our giving into nonprofits, into the church, into everything. Just up it by, by about 5%. Just go a little more extravagant and see if we could do it without taking a tax receipt. I want to tell you, that was like super hard. I, I couldn't believe, I thought, I thought I was a way better Christian by now. Like I could hardly give that money away knowing I wasn't going to get a tax receipt for it. Think again, right? It's all crazy pants. It's all upside down. So just as we wrap up, let's just couple things to think about so this text so I think what keeps us out of the sort of the bull weeds of religion it's about people full stop I was hungry and what did you do you gave me something to eat it's not about programs or fixing things or huge justice initiatives or this and that. that. That could happen. Some of you might have dreams for that and have the capacity and the calling to establish such things. I don't know if you heard of a thing called the giving keys. You might have seen it pop up in the malls and stuff. There's a dear friend of mine, Caitlin Crosby, part of our little vineyard in Hollywood years and years ago, and she just had this crazy little idea of getting the poor on the streets, and if they just pounded like the word love or the word grace or the word hope or something into a little key, she could just give them a little bit of employment. It's just exploded into this massive company. But it all started just with one, with no illusions that this thing would go huge. Charity Water, have you heard of Charity Water? He's a good friend of mine. You know, just before he was a Christian, was just out in, in, in Africa taking pictures of people with cleft palates. He was on a YWAM mercy ship and they'd rejected him four or five times in his application because he wasn't a believer and he just kept saying it. He was one of the big club, but he got, he, somehow he encountered the heart of Jesus and it turned him upside down. It's now one of the largest water things in, in the world.
The beautiful thing in the kingdom of God is there's millions of people you'll never hear about, but Jesus knows every single one because I was hungry and you gave me. Who do you see and what do you have? I was with Damas, a friend now in Zimbabwe, first time I met him. Anyway, it's a long story. We're at a justice gathering together and um, he was lost in the shuffle. He couldn't get back to Africa. Plane tickets weren't working. And he was, he was just holed up in this little flea bag motel right beside LAX down in LA. And I just felt bad for the guys. Like, how do we help? So I just had him at the house and put him up for a couple nights. All his friends, his whole entire uh, circle of friends and a lot of his family were all dead from AIDS. The only people he knew were little children or older people because his entire generation had virtually been completely wiped out by the devastation of AIDS. I'm thinking, how do I even care for this guy? How do I help this guy? So all I knew what to do, I canceled all my appointments. We lived about 20 minutes from Universal Studios and I took him to Universal Studios for the day. And I'm thinking, oh, this is so dumb. Like we're going down Jurassic Park. Like, it's like, how is this even doing anything? And we go out for dinner that night and we're just kind of chatting and chilling and he's just kind of reflecting. He's kind of a quiet, thoughtful person. And then all of a sudden he just erupts. We're sitting in an islands restaurant down in Pasadena, California, chowing down on some wings. And he just hits the table and he goes, David! Literally, like he yells. The whole restaurant's kind of like, ooh. He goes, you've done more for me in this one day than you'll ever imagine. And he starts going down in this huge tirade. He's just like blowing, just like, just like waxing eloquent. I can't remember everything he said, but I'll never forget the first line. He looks me in the eyes and he says, you could dig a thousand wells. And then he just just went like, you could build your orphanages. You could do your this. You could do your that. You could come over here with all your great dreams. You can do what you think God's telling us you do. You know, and we'll take it all because we need it at some level. But honestly, you haven't really even stopped long enough to listen to us what we really need. And he just starts going, because you could do all of this and you could do this and this. And he starts weeping, tears streaming down his face. And he just penetrates me with his eyes. And he says, you could do all of that and never know my name. See, he knew God was his provider. He was looking to me for friendship, not stuff. It's the same on the streets of Kelowna. It's the same on the streets of East Van. It's the same in your neighborhood. It's the same in the high rise. It's the same in the corporate meeting room. It's the same in the church staff office. I was hungry. I was hurting. And you came. It's about people. It's about sight. I told you having this experience right here in Kelowna in the early 1990s. I'd driven by a set of motels that are completely obliterated and gone now, right down on Gordon and, and Harvey, in between Bernard there. And I'd driven by these motels Five years, every day, like the, the, virtually, the, 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 the journey to get to my office was right by this, and I'd never, ever seen them. And I kind of have this moment with Jesus. I actually felt the Lord say to me, the fragrance of worship is justice, and where there's no justice, there's no fragrance. That's kind of a scary thing to hear, especially as a musician. And all of a sudden, I saw and I just didn't see the buildings. We found this 
little lady named Betty. And her husband had gone out to get the mail about 10 years earlier and never came back. She was all by herself in the motels right here in Kelowna, just sitting there and freezing to death. I mean, just awful. We have a dear friend right now, Lori, who lives right down beside uh, the hospital there. And her landlords are going to tear down the little house that she's in and all the rebuilding that's going on in Kelowna. She's got holes in the bottom of her doors. She's freezing to death in there. She's had to try to plug in so many heaters. The electricity keeps blowing out and we're trying to help her. We've appealed to her landlords and everything, but they won't do anything in the place because they're going to tear it down in a year or two and build a high rise. Who do you see? That's like just off Lakeshore and Pandozi, right by the hospital. She's there, like right now. My wife visited her last night. There's no big... She needs bedding, so we brought her some bedding. Like, we're not starting a ministry. We're not starting a program. But if one by one by one, we all allowed ourselves to see what could change. Jesus says, here's what I want you to do. Buy your gold from me in Revelation chapter 3. Buy gold that's been refined in the refiner's fire. Then you'll be rich. Buy your clothes from me, clothes designed in heaven. You've gone around half naked long enough. And buy medicine for your eyes. So you can see, really see. And it's about mystery, isn't it? It's about worship. What we've done to the least, we've done to Jesus. How does this work? There's no formulas here. There's no programs here. There'll always be a, huh? What was that in the equation? Just like even at the end of time, when did I, when did I ever get this right, Jesus? I think I screwed it up over and over. He goes, it's okay, because you just responded with what you had. Matthew 10, he says, leave your money belt at home when you go out for the kingdom. This isn't about raising funds. This isn't about money. This is, this is about the kingdom of God advancing. And Jesus is already relentlessly pursuing people on the earth and making all things new. We just need eyes to see it. It's naturally supernatural. When did we do this? Or even the more scary question, when did we not do this? And it is about family. Whatever you've done to my brothers and sisters. Difficult part of the text. Some people use this as an escape hatch. Well, we just do it for the people in the church. Or I heard a guy teaching a couple days ago, actually, just a couple days ago, that this is about Israel. And it's about how you treat Israel will be the sheep and the goat nations. And I'm like, oh my God, that's like a... For me, that's just like a total screw up of the text. But anyway, (laughs) the point is, who do you see and what do you have And don't underestimate the amount of people that follow Jesus even right in the streets of Kelowna right here and might have something to teach you about faith. Most people, when they tell their testimonies about engaging this way and really taking something a little bit out of the ordinary in their own life to go and touch someone in brokenness or marginalization or poverty or whatever, what's the thing you typically hear? I got more out of it than what I gave to them. Have you ever heard people say that? It's really true. 
If you're dry and in the desert and the next worship song is just like, oh my God, is it ever going to be anything new? Like, go hang out with the poor and it'll all sort out. It's about family, my brothers and sisters. And I just end with this. We cannot forget the suffering church. More people being martyred today on the planet than in any time of history. Something to think about. Just something to think about. So Chad, just come on up. Lord, I just, thanks for your tough stuff and we'll just resist the temptation to run run away, run away. Brave, brave Sir Robin. (laughs) When Jesus dead is on the end, we bravely turned our tails and fled. It was all good until just the very end. <laughs> Comic relief. Just got to ease the tension out of the system, right? Thanks, David. Sure appreciate you sharing this morning. Why don't you say thank you to David because we might not have the opportunity. Uh,